On today's episode of All Roads Lead to with Alan Janae, we talk about some of the people who've made an impact in our lives who we lost in 2020. Our focus is on those in media and in the arts. So please stay tuned for All Roads Lead to with Alan Janae. Hi, I'm Avery, the executive producer for All Roads Lead to Media. And I'm here to let you know you can listen to All Roads Lead to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be YouTube, Spotify, or even TuneIn Radio. You can also listen to All Roads Lead 2 on Amazon Music by saying, Alexa, play All Roads Lead 2 podcast. This is All Roads Lead 2 with Alan Janae. The place where we share and talk about the people, places, and passions that have impacted us on the road of life. Hi, I'm Al. Hi, I'm Janae. And welcome to another episode of All Roads Lead to with Al and Janae. And today we are continuing our conversations as we're looking back at the year 2020. Uh, what a year it has been. What a year. What a year. I um, think in terms of our conversation, we talked about at the beginning of the year, just the unreal and I think just seemingly so shocking, yeah. um, you know, events particularly surrounding the passing of Kobe Bryant and, um, you know, the families yeah. and, you know, the other individuals who were on the helicopter and his daughter, Gianna. Another um, just shocking passing that was just so seemingly untimely yes. Yes. was that of Chadwick Boseman. Um, I felt paralyzed yeah. when I heard that news. Um, and so many things flooded my mind. Um, I, I felt like we were just getting um, the beginning of yeah. his repertoire. Like, I mean, you just feel like he was going to be one of those actors that, you know, your children's children would know yes. in a sense. And so that was just so, it was, it really rocked me. Yeah. And, um, we have a friend, your um, high school classmate, yes. um, who I really felt like just reading her piece gave me some center around it. Because it just really, I just felt very, um, just pulled in so many emotional directions. And I thought her piece is called Endgame, which yes. I thought was so brilliantly titled. Her, her friend Jennifer Fordham, um, we'll put in the uh, show notes, yes, her blog, which is amazing. And she does such a great job, I think, of capturing um, just the importance of living with impact and intention. Yes. And one of the things that she said is that, you know, he really taught us in life um, how to live so that when you you're passing, you live with a, you leave a legacy. Absolutely. And, and what a legacy this yeah. man left uh, in just such a limited time. I believe I read something, another tribute by uh, president Leslie Pollard of Oakwood university said mm -hmm. that Chad would, Bozeman lived a brief but brilliant life. Yes, yes. And I think that's the thing because I think part of what Jennifer's piece was intimating is that we often think we have time. Yeah. And so you think you're at certain seasons in your life where you can live for yourself or, you know, you, you know, your focus may not be it's on all about me. Right. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that we've unfortunately, even personally, you know, lost folks who were our age That's recently. Right. And it's just been so gutting, it you happened. know, to see um, 
children left and and just so much light that they gave that's not here anymore. But I think the beauty of it is that I've seen and witnessed, I think, from those we've known personally and even from Chadwick's from afar, is that he was very intentional. We don't know what, what point or what stage in essence it seems that he was really intentional even before yeah. he, you know, was aware of what was happening. And I, there's so many points I think to be made. First of all, how private he was with it and how he must have had loyal people with him. Right. That's what so, I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, you want a, uh, I guess I'm calling a Chadwick crew <laughs> yeah. uh, around you. Everybody Absolutely. wants those kind of people who are going to be loyal yes. to the point where they're going to keep your stuff That's just right. as your stuff. That's right. Uh, no leaks. None. No, uh, you know, well, have you heard or this or that? Nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, his crew. Yes. I mean, uh, whoever they are. And we still don't, in essence, know who they are or the people right. who really, really knew. Right. But whoever they are were, that's a lesson that I've learned from that. Uh, right. You want to have a chat with crew. Right. That they won't be bought. They can't, you know, that's there's right. nothing that will entice them to, to you know, um, to, com- you know, compromise their, your confidence and your trust and faith in them. I think that's one thing. The other thing I was really thinking about is even from his early days when, um, you know, I think his story is just so amazing yeah. of, you know, not really seeking the arts. And they said he was you know, really a basketball star and how when he went to Howard, um, you know, kind of became really um, more immersed in the arts. And just that story of Felicia Rashad oh, and the mothering and the nurture, I think, really, of his of his gift and yeah. seeing something in him. I think that was just the beauty of it is that just having people um, who I think even that's a testament to how she's using her, um, yes. you know, her light and her legacy to yeah. really, you know, gift students mm-hmm. and to, to help to bring in an, another generation of artists and give you know students opportunities. But to see something in him, you know, at that stage and then to encourage it. And then at one point when he had opportunity to study in, in yes. England, yes. she was able to, you know, tap into her network. And it's that awesome story of how Denzel, you know, um, is one of the like silent donors yes. in essence of his, you know, um, study in England. And so there's just so, there's so much to his story and so much that I think we can relate to just humble beginnings yeah. and, you know, um, just, you know, kind of on, you know, just really following a dream. And that just is um, inspiring to me because I think all along he was very present with the gift that he had and also a gift that he could give. But then he was very intentional, even in the early days that he was on a soap opera and felt that he was playing, you know, stereotyped and really just seemed early on to be very intentional about sending a message of strong black um, imaging. Oh, wow. And I just so appreciate that because I know our children, yeah. you know, from 42, um, you know, to, to the Marshall movie, so much of history through his eyes, I think is so much more present and real and gives them um, opportunity for valuing, yes. you know, those who have, who are charting the course for them. Yes. I was going to say in line with just what you said, um, look at the characters that he chose to play. Yes. Um, and all the characters that he chose to play were not these people who have these storybook happily ever after mm-hmm. whose art life arc is just mm-hmm. constantly on the up and up. Uh, he chose to play people whose characters had color wow. uh, to them. I think about him playing James Brown and yeah. get on up. Yes. Um, yes. Man, he played James oh, Brown. My. And he was, yeah. I mean, and he, he really translated everything about yes. James Brown. Um in that story, uh, Thurgood Marshall in, in Marshall, uh, 42 mm-hmm. with, uh, with Jackie Robinson. Um, and I mean, come on, Wakanda forever. Oh my. 
Oh I mean, my! I mean, I mean, what's transcendent? Right? Transcendent. I mean, um, black superhero. I mean, Marvel. Oh. And again, thinking about legacy, I want to go back really to something that you just said that really sparked something um, with me. Um, Janae and I, we've become more aware of the need of really surrounding yourself with people who support you yes. all throughout our lives and during our time of, of marriage and work. Uh, is That's just critical and important. And one of the things you learn from, I learned, and I took from Chad Bozeman's life, mm-hmm. is that having people who believe in you mm-hmm. uh, will be uh, almost like a net of support around you. Mm-hmm. Because just like you're talking about with that story of Felicia Rashad, she saw something in him mm-hmm. and believed in him. Mm-hmm. And you need people who believe in you who will not let you fail ah, and beautiful. who will not let you miss out on opportunities beautiful. that could be life changers, that could be game changers, mm-hmm. or just who believe in you, period, not knowing what the future right, right, will bring, not right. looking for a return on their right. investment or uh, on something that they do for you. So um, we all need people like that. And uh, his life seemed to garner Mm. That uh, Mm, in terms of loyalty, in terms of people who uh, would invest in him um, and look at what just one person's influence did for the next and for the next and for the next. It just follows uh, on and on. But again, um, do yourself uh, the biggest favor that you can probably do today and read the piece Endgame by Jennifer Gill Fordham. It is really uh, a game changer. It is. And she did a, a phenomenal job with that. Absolutely. And so I, I one of the um, inspirations really from that piece for me and um, has been to really just to sit with some of the those who we've lost in 2020. There have been such towering figures yeah. in so many ways and um, to really give acknowledgement to it. And I think that's what we, you know, we really hope to do with this is just acknowledge, but also to see that their legacies endure and to know that they have really seeded us Mm -hmm. with an enduring legacy. And so to be able to pass that on, to learn more about their contributions, to, to share um, their influence and then to acknowledge how they've influenced us over, over time in different ways. Many of um, the memories and opportunities and experiences I have have been colored by so many of the people who we've lost this year personally and definitely, you know, in the public life. Yes. And you think about a person like uh, Bill Withers. Yes. Who uh, passed away this year. Bill Withers was just, I I think of him as um, uh, a soul folk singer almost. Mm. Um, And uh, we saw a documentary uh, that kind of chronicled his break into the music business. Uh, The Black Godfather talking about the story of Clarence Avon, but it kind of opened up with Bill Withers talking about how he first met Clarence Avon. But I mean, his life story really is one of those things that you couldn't have predicted. And uh, as we say so many times, you can't make this stuff up. No. I mean, you think about it, he's a soundtrack to so much of our, I mean, lean on me. Lean on me. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And just the depth of lyrics. I think that's something that even I remember, you know, um, when my mother would listen to music that I was listening to, she didn't feel like it had the depth. It didn't have that, you know, it didn't, it didn't resonate. And so now I listen to music our children listen to, and I really feel like, you know, wait, you know, it doesn't have that, that, that essence, but there was, there is something about the way he communicated through lyrics yeah. and then the way he sang that it just was, so, it was literally soul stirring. Yeah. And it's amazing. We've got a, 
opportunity to read an amazing article yes. um, about him that really just looks at just the the um, the real everyday man that he was yes. and how he really um again those west virginia up you know roots went into the military not too soon after um it had been desegregated go navy uh, yeah it was a navy man um eventually went to, um, to California through the Navy, learned like, I think aircraft mechanics and was working, you know, um, honest work. And, um, first, I think one of the first opportunities that he got to see of what, um, entertainment can do for a person is the amount of money that Lou Rawls, I think has making, he was supposed to come and sing. And he saw, you know, they heard, overheard, like, you know, one of the owners saying, you know, he's making like $2,000. He's like, I was making $3 a, a what a, I think a a day or something yeah. or an hour, probably no, an hour, probably yeah, an hour, not yeah. so far back, yeah. <laughs> and um, about an hour. But you're realizing, like, whoa, you know, just for this one gig, he's gonna make two thousand dollars. So it kind of opened his eyes to, like, you know, this music thing has something. But he was never about money. I think yeah. you know he could see that there was. Um, that you could, you know, you could work smarter in a sense, you yeah. know, through music in a sense. But and but he wasn't he was his own man. We read that he did. He never really had a manager. Um, he the amazing thing that I thought was so um, amazing. And so from that, it says soon thereafter, he started to say, hey, I'm going to dig into because obviously he had a love or yeah. some interest in music that was kind of, you know, stirring in him. He put some money aside and, you know, um, got bought a guitar and started to really kind of hone the craft and started yeah. writing. And it was his, he sh shopped a demo and saved money to shop a demo around. And yeah. then I think it's the Avant Sussex, Sussex Records right. that picked up his first, um, you know, his first demo. And he saw the brilliance in him. Again, like you're saying, yeah. someone who takes a chance on you, sight unseen, yeah. and took that chance on him. And it's kind of like the rest is history um, in that, you know, he he just took off, but his first album cover, he took, you know, things like in the middle of a work day, you could still see his lunch pail and that wow. first album cover, but that he was his own man. And we looked at the fact that he was making what, um, on each of his, each of his... Um, yes, on each of his sales. Uh, right, he, he gets... He was required to make, I believe it was a dollar or... Well, he gets half, he was getting still, he okay. gets half, because he owns half. the royalties, he owned, he did not give any of his, his music rights away. And, and one of the things that was, yes, you mm -hmm. had to, in order for Lean On Me to be on a movie, <laughs> right. to be on a commercial, right. to be on anything, you had to get permission, not from his agent, right. not from his company, not from his people. Right. You had to go directly to him. Right, right, right. Which I just thought. Which was, is, yeah. in the words of our friend Gary Graham, a boss move. It I mean, is, that right? is such a boss move to not give up your rights right. and not seed anything away and not say, oh, well, I'll let somebody else take care of it. No. Bill Withers was the one who was in control of his career, yes, which really ended up being in control of his cash. That's it. And I think also the influence, where where would his songs be played? They yeah. were saying that if there was a movie about if it was violent or something that wasn't really in line with their values or with the song, they wouldn't allow it to, they wouldn't give permission for it to be played in that, in that you know, in that piece or in that yeah. venue. And so I think that just, that says a lot about also having, you know, some people said it was, you know, it was limiting, yeah. but he felt empowered by it because he said he was his own man. And I think the other beautiful thing about it is that, you know, he lived in a home that he bought in 1998 and he, he lived, um, you know, the way on his own terms, it yeah. seems. And it just seems like a lot in that a lot of ways that was out of the public eye. He was private, but his they said his, his adult children lived close by. Yeah. It just it just really seemed like a beautiful way of understanding that music it was a vehicle to making a living, but it didn't it didn't it didn't rob him of himself or the life that he had created before. And one of the most enduring things about Bill Withers 
legacy is when you talk about lean on me mm -hmm. it's like the easiest song to play on the piano mm -hmm. i mean all you do is get those three notes and you go up and down da, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. i mean you can you can do it um anybody can <laughs> uh so um remembering uh bill withers as well there are other musicians that uh, we've lost in the year 2020 i think of uh, none other than bishop rance allen yeah um yes. just a major influence uh, on the gospel Absolutely. music scene and on the, I guess, the whole uh, late 1960s, early 1970 music scene. Mm -hmm. uh, I first came to know uh, Rance Allen, which I still think is the best song <laughs> that he ever did at this concert in 1972 called Watt Stacks. Okay. Watt uh, Stacks Records mm -hmm. in Memphis had a major concert with all of their artists uh, at the L.A. Coliseum. Yes. Uh, Jesse Jackson was uh, the host. Uh, Isaac Hayes was one of the headliners. And Rance Allen mm -hmm. and his brothers were the Rance Allen group. And they came out there and sang this song called Lying to the Truth. All right. I mean, you can look it up on YouTube right now. <laughs> Rance Allen is there playing the guitar, yes. singing, harmonizing, yes. doing the lead, then going to the background. It is one of the most amazing things you will ever wow. want to hear. Uh, and he was a major influence on um, people who came up uh, and ended up being transcendent as well in the gospel music right, industry right. Um, from that uh, Southwest or Southeast Michigan uh, area right. in Detroit, Toledo, so uh, the Winans yes. um, commission yes. was majorly influenced. So I remember when Commission first came out, my dad said, oh, man, you know, we've heard this before. You ever heard of the Rance Allen group? Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of was my my introduction to, to Rance Allen. Wow. Um, so uh, Rance Allen was a bishop in the Church of God in Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we remember him as well. Speaking well, those who had influence in the church and outside of the church. Uh, Richard Penniman, ah, Little Richard, known as Little Richard, yes, uh, passed yes. away uh, this year. Trailblazer. Uh, Trailblazer came from, I mean, the most humble yeah. of humble beginnings yeah. uh, in Georgia, and literally rose to superstar. Absolutely, and uh, was responsible for literally creating the genre of uh, rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. My little individual personal connection. To little Richard is this not only he went to Oakwood, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you and I went to Oakwood, right. but I had to have been about six, six, maybe seven years old. And I remember my dad saying, uh, hey, come on and go with me. Uh, where are we going? We're going to First Church, First Seventh-day Adventist Church in Washington, D.C. Okay. And he said, uh, a man by the name of Little Richard wow. is preaching that night. Preaching, okay. Um, that night. And so, you know, hey, Little Richard's life, he went from doing music, uh, came back uh, mm -hmm. to doing evangelism, went yeah. back to doing music. Uh, but everybody who actually knew him say he never really ever lost his heart for really helping people. Okay. Yeah. And being yeah, um, just a light and uh, yeah. tribute to Pastor Joseph McCoy, who gave the eulogy for little Richard yeah. at the graveside service. And uh, the title of it was Let Your Little Light Shine. Beautiful. And uh, just yeah. talked about how uh, Richard Penniman throughout his life really did let uh, his light shine. And I, I you know, those early... Um, I think those early roots in gospel and church influenced him, I think, kept drawing him back all throughout. But it's amazing what the gifting that he had, how it influenced so many in 
all across, you know, music. And so you see so many rock stars and yeah. so many um, individuals really attributing him and crediting him, you know, with opening up and, and being like really the shoulders that they were standing on. And so I think that was really beautiful to see. And so many people, I think, came out to acknowledge that because yeah. um, he really was defying so much in, in exploring his, 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 um, his music, I think passions in a sense, you know, yeah. and I think often we were boxing people in at a certain time and he really, I think, you know, you didn't see as many people exploring rock in that realm and that the mix of soul and, and, um, gospel, those influences in rock, we didn't see it as much. And he really opened the doors for a lot of that. And I think kind of this fusion in a sense of where we see, you know, influences coming across different genres. And I think he, you know, really, um, really did that. But I think uh, you're saying ultimately it's what you're doing doing for people that last and I think really enriches and um, it extends your legacy. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, we definitely see that there. We've had so much to share about the impact of media figures and artists um, who've passed in 2020. And so I'm hoping that we can continue this conversation to the next episode. So let's do that. Let's uh, continue uh, our conversation is we're going to talk about in our next episode, uh, Janae Dubois, mm-hmm. Alex Trebek, uh, and so many others. Uh, maybe even give a little nod to James Lipton as well. Absolutely. So we hope you will join us for our next episode as we discuss the enduring legacies of media figures and artists um, who have passed in 2020 and have impacted our lives. All right. Please join us. We are so glad to share our podcast with you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and on social media. So please listen, share, and tell a friend about All Roads Lead To with Al and Janae, the place where we talk about the people, the places, and the passions that have impacted us along the road of life.